Hello and welcome to episode 18 of series 3 of the Engaging Internal Comms podcast. This is the show for employee engagers and internal communicators who like to keep up to date with all that is new in our profession. My name's Craig Smith from The Big Picture People. At the time of recording this, it's the day after the passing of Queen Elizabeth II. And, and as a British citizen and a citizen of the world, I guess we're all sort of feeling a, a sense of loss, regardless of our opinions on the on the British monarchy, uh, from someone we've grown up with and has been a key part of our lives. I think everybody probably listening to this podcast has not known anyone else, particularly from the UK, as, as our Queen, as our monarch. Um, and obviously around the world, the Queen was a, was a, was a very familiar face. Um, and as a, as a podcast for, for internal communicators, um, I think it's worth recognising the, the outstanding contribution, the outstanding capability that, that the Queen had uh, as a communicator. Yes, she probably had fantastic counsel and script and speech writers around her, but as a communicator, not only in the the sense of the words that she said, her, her presence, her ability to put people at ease. I never met her, but everybody I've seen being interviewed and speaking about her has said that she was uh, incredibly good at understanding people, reading people and being able to communicate with them. And obviously as a narrator, her, her speeches in the UK were uh, were something that at Christmas time we uh, we all used to sit around the TV and uh, and, and listen to, to the Queen's speeches or we'd pick them up at some point and at key historical moments the queen was always there so it it's almost uh like losing a family member in that respect even though it's someone many of us will probably never have met or had the opportunity to to interact with directly so it is a kind of quite a sad time and and i thought just it would be un, un uh, it would be only be fitting to 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 make a comment on, on that and obviously the, this show is going out a few days after after the uh, her passing so um so uh, anything that in the in the show that that was pre-recorded prior prior to that um hopefully it's you you know i just want to make it clear that uh, in the interview itself i'm pretty sure there's nothing in there that's inappropriate or or uh, insensitive or tone deaf to to what's just happened but uh, it was recorded a few weeks ago so uh if anything in there inadvertently offends then please uh, please don't uh, take it the wrong way anyway um i don't i'm going to keep this introduction short and just just to the point and just what i normally do is is to tell you what's coming up in the next episode on the 27th of September, which is an interview with David Oates. And David is going to be telling us all about how we can put internal comms first in a crisis situation uh, rather than our external comms. It's about about t- keeping our own people informed and letting them know what's happening. Uh, and then after that, on the 11th of October, the show after that, I've got an interview with Arthur Woods from a company called Matheson. And he's going to be telling us all about the importance of inclusive cultures and internal communications, particularly in terms of of diversity. So that's going to be a really, really good interview as well. And again, particularly relevant at the moment uh, for for, uh, for, for what organisations are looking at. Anyway, so as I said, I'm going to keep this uh, relatively short and sombre introduction to the point and move straight into this episode's interview. Many organisations refer to storytelling. They talk about their narrative when they are communicating either externally or internally, and they talk about how they are using stories to bring things to life. I've always been interested in stories. It's integral to the work that we do at The Big Picture People when it comes to telling visual stories and linking that to a conversational process that organisations can use to really explore what their values are, what their strategies are, what their purpose are with their employees in a way that unlocks conversations that traditional approaches don't normally deliver. So I wanted to explore storytelling in more detail and and I reached out to someone who is an expert in the field, someone who's been using storytelling within organisations, major organisations for almost 30 years now as a professional. And this, what we're going to be talking about in today's, today's interview, we're going to be looking at storytelling and how storytelling can be used to bring to life a number of different situations. One is where we want to reinforce our values and our sense of identity within the organization to help people understand our our sense of continuity. That's the first type of story that we're going to be exploring in this conversation. We're also going to then be talking about 
novelty stories, when we're talking about things that are new and different, innovation within our organization, the type of innovation that we're striving for and their attitudes and culture that we want around innovation is the second type of story that we're going to explore in this interview. And then the third type of story is transition. How do we transform our organization? What does good look like when it comes to change and transformation? And throughout all of this, we're looking at the value of stories in terms of creating social alignment within organizations. Now, all of that sound, might sound very theoretical and very um, highbrow perhaps, but the practical approach that our guest takes today to storytelling is really refreshing, I think. Uh, and at the end of the interview, he offers some great resources, free resources that he has for anyone who wants to build storytelling into their techniques that they use within their organization, but more importantly, into their culture of communications within the organization too. So I hope you find this interview really enlightening and I genuinely enjoyed this conversation, which you probably tell from uh, from, from the nature of the, the, the conversation that we had. My interviewee today is David Hutchins. David is an author and leading designer who creates solutions for companies like the Coca-Cola Company, Walmart, IBM, GE, Accenture, L'Oreal, Danone, Nike, and many others. Today, he helps leaders and organizations all around the world to find and craft and tell their most urgent stories for the purpose of creating shared meaning, preserving culture, disseminating learning, and speeding change in organization. David is the creator of Learning Fables, a book series that uses narrative and metaphor to illustrate principles of organizational learning, with titles that include Outlearning the Wolves, The Shadows of the Neanderthal, and the popular books have been translated into more than a dozen languages. So good afternoon. Good, it's good afternoon from me. Good morning to you, I believe, David. Uh, how are you? Uh, it, it, it's a, it is a rainy morning here in the United States. Very good. Thank you, Craig. I'm delighted to be in this conversation with you. Uh, me too. And I'm really looking forward to this. And, uh, whereabouts in the States are you just for our listeners? So I'm, I'm based in Nashville, Tennessee, which is the home of, of musical storytelling. So the home of Johnny Cash and Taylor Swift and country music. I, I don't know how many of uh, your English friends are, are fans of country music, but this is a storytelling culture here in Nashville. Absolutely. Nashville is synonymous in the, in the, I can tell you in the UK for many people, but particularly of my generation, I'm, I'm think for the younger generation as well. When we think of Nashville, we do think of, of that sort of uh, country vibe. So that definitely resonates with me. Um, so I gave a, I gave a bit of an introduction there, which I kind of lifted from your, your LinkedIn profile, David, but, but in your own words, do you want to expand on that? Tell us a little bit more about your work and, and, and how this interest in storytelling really started, please. So, so yeah, my, my work is to help leaders tell stories. And um, I, I was working with a, a technology company in, in Germany, and, and I introduced myself. You know, I, I, I said, yeah, my, my role is to go around the world and help leaders like you tell stories. And this German guy he, sitting on the front row goes, really? That, that's a job now? <laughs> I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can do this for a living now. Um, and, and so... Um, yeah, uh, I, I help leaders tell stories. How did I get into this? I think was your your question. Yeah. Um, so so you mentioned uh, outlearning the wolves. That that was one of the moments that brought me into this work because uh, at the time I was doing communications work for the Coca Cola Company hmm. uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, and they came to me with a challenge, a communications challenge, because. Uh, they were on this transformation journey internally to become what is known as a learning organization. This was back in the 1990s. There was a best-selling book called The Fifth Discipline by a guy named Peter Singe. I know it well. Yeah, excellent book. Excellent oh, book. Great, great stuff. But the challenge is, you know, you and I are learning geeks. We love that stuff. Some people found that material dense and difficult mm -hmm. to, to understand. And that was the challenge at Coca-Cola. They said, we're on this journey of change, but nobody understands what we're talking about when we say we're becoming a learning organization. Mm. And so they asked me to create a, a communication solution that would help people at Coke understand what this journey was all about. It, and so I, I wrote a silly story. And I wrote a story about a, a, a flock of sheep 
Mm. that outwits a pack of hungry wolves. And in the process, they become a learning organization. They display the capabilities of a learning organization. And uh, I had a friend who is a children's book illustrator, Bobby. And I said, hey, Bobby, could you do me a favor? I need you to draw some crazy pictures of sheep and wolves. And so I dropped these pictures into the manuscript called Out Learning the Wolves. And honestly, it was, it was such a crazy solution. I, I wondered if Coke would fire me. It was so it was so yeah. unusual. Um, it, I ended up bringing it, it didn't work at Coke, but I ended up bringing it to a publisher. And as you said today, that book it, it's gone all around the world. It's Fantastic. like a quarter million copies of Outlearning the Wolves are out there. And so that was really the moment that made me think: What was it about this unusual solution that seems to be engaging leaders? in all of these different cultures around the world. Yeah. So that was really a moment that put me on this path of inquiry into what is it that's happening when we tell stories yeah. and how else can we bring this into our work? Right. That's fantastic. Cause I, I mean, I'm a great fan of, I mean, and what, what, what sort of time, when, when was this just cause I know you've been doing this for a long time and I, I, I want to kind of, um, I think 28 years, I think you've been, you, 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 I saw in your LinkedIn profile recently, you've been celebrating 28 years as storytelling leader. Is that, that sound about right? That that's about right. So, so yes, <laughs> when I when I first started talking about this, it, it was still a weird idea. Yeah, yeah. And and now it's not a weird idea at all. Now now no. everybody's asking about it. So something changed in that period where the weird idea has become the urgent become idea, become mainstream. And and was that kind of because I'm I mean I'm a great fan of you know things like Who Moved My Cheese and Our Iceberg Is Melting and some of these mm-hmm. really great fables. I was that kind of a similar sort of time. I'm trying to think when they when those books came out and um because they they would everybody you know a lot of people refer to those as well certainly who move my cheese when you talk about business fables that's uh, I, I don't think it's what i think it's the greatest in the world but i think it's the one that people kind of remember the most it may have sold the most for sure um <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Th- th- this was in the the 1990s the yeah. you know early 2000s yeah yeah cool okay. yeah it's, funny, it's really interesting, actually, because I know we we talked about this when we had the the pre conversation of uh, you know a while ago before when we when we you know we kind of identified the theme. But it's a very similar story, to, and, and I ironically the, of of the kind of genesis of what we did when we when I was at PepsiCo, <laughs> which is like you know right. kind of Coca Cola PepsiCo. Uh, but but when, when I was there, and that's kind of where the genesis of what we do, which is the kind of visual storytelling, which is the illustrative, you know, kind of big pictures that we we do with our clients. So it's really interesting sort of this sort of um parallel evolution you know where we kind of we've come at this from different ways but we've arrived at this idea that you know stories are an incredibly powerful way and a very natural way for people to 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 take in very complex nuanced messages so um really really good that we've kind of converged on the same point but from different perspectives i think yeah we Um, we certainly have it's it's really a simple idea that i'm i'm bringing for forward which is that when we tell stories when leaders use this language that is narrative that that something different happens yeah that yeah. it's, it's a different connection and it's a different response and it's really powerful. And as leaders, there's a lot, and as communicators, there's a lot of ways we can bring that into the work that we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and again, there's another interesting parable because we, we talk about visualization and why visualization is so important and powerful because when we are young, you know, it's the first thing that we're first thing, the first primary way that we take in information is, is, you know, our first books that we get have pictures that have words that, and, and we start to create meaning and, and then, and also I guess linked to that is the stories that, you know, we, we, we listen to, you know, intently that our parents and our teachers lit to read to us and, and how those, those stories are constructs of, of the world as well. And I think, again, it's kind of, these two things work really closely hand in hand because they tap into that very early learning mechanism, which we're kind of hardwired to, to, to sort of resonate with. I mean, do you, is that part of the wonder of the storytelling process and, and why it works so well in your mind as well? It, it, it absolutely is. I, I always think it's funny when people act like this is some new idea <laughs> in organizations mm. because it's, it's not, this is the oldest idea. This is humanity's oldest technology for yeah. 
for connection and and organizational learning and sense making and coming together in community. And this is the campfire construct. Mm, mm. The elders and the young people come together and now we're a tribe. And so now this old, old idea is finding new applications in organ organizations and in leadership. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's and it's interesting. You know, you you've gone back to your kind of German gentleman sat in the front row who said people get paid to do this thing now, <laughs> do they? Uh, which is, I do think, uh, and I think you're coming at this. I, I, you know, from what we've talked about so far, and we're going to go into more detail about your approach, absolutely from the right perspective. But I do think there has been a bit of, um, you know, people jumping on not 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 jumping onto the bandwagon of storytelling but using you, you know kind of talking about our organizational stories and narratives but not actually using storytelling just using it as another way of dressing up a, a different type of communication and not really storytelling and and i mean in your mind uh, and also i think getting in and ra and wrapped up in the kind of constructs of stories which i think is really important but but right, but, right. but but i think you know what you're talking about here is actually it's this kind of visceral way that we're kind of hardwired to communicate and, and transmit knowledge down generations and we have done for years so why why would we suddenly stop doing that just because now we've got these kind of iphones and things that uh, that we can use so so yeah i mean is, would you agree, agree with that that storytelling is is there are many ways of, of talking about story using stories or thinking about storytelling but it's it, there, there is there is actually actually still needs to be a story you can't just sort of dress up a a kind of an all all uh, all company yeah. email blast as a story i i see that a lot a lot of people are using this word hmm. and they're they're connecting it to things that technically aren't stories uh, i get a lot of calls from you know silicon valley people who are working on their pitch deck yeah, and they'll say we we need help with our story. Well, a, a pitch deck might have narrative elements in it, but it's not quite the same thing as a story. No. I, I hear a lot of people use the word story for an elevator speech, right? Mm -hmm. A thirty second value proposition statement. Mm. That's not a story either. Stories no. are about people and mm. the things that happen to people. I I've even seen some uh, story theorists who you know, there's a lot of debate about what makes something a story. And some argue that it's the felt experience that makes it a story. Mm. So for example, you know, like when you watch a movie, when you watch the Avengers or, or, mm. or whatever, and like the, you become in, uh, engrossed yeah. in the story, you lose awareness of what's around you. It's that felt experience. I've heard that called narrative transport. Yeah. Some theorists say it's not a story unless you have that felt story experience yeah yeah which i think is an interesting way of looking at it um, absolutely absolutely yeah, yeah and I, I also think there's an element of uh, and i'd be interested in, and I, I do want to get to the heart of what we want to talk about in a minute which is the, which is the heart of this conversation but i do think there is this element of when you use stories it allows people to look at organizational issues from a very different perspective because it, it almost I don't, really, I don't think the right word to say depersonalizes it, but it, it kind of makes them more objective and less in, in, uh, involved. So, I mean, I, we find this when, with the stuff that we do is that, you know, if I was to take you up a, up on top of a hill to look down on your organization from that hill and see all of the things that are good and all the things that could be better, you you can observe it as the, in that from that perspective rather than when you're in it and down at the ground level, it's very difficult to see what's going on. And I think stories mm. sometimes allow you to step back and see all of the things that are going on as a because you're using metaphor and analogy and that sort of thing. Um, and I think that that for me is a really valuable part of of you know stories in their purest sense as well. It allows it's like a controlled escapism almost but 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 with mm. with meaning and with purpose i, I don't know whether I, i'm i'm just thinking it off the top of my head at the moment but, but I, I don't know does that resonate with you as well that's a great way of saying it i love the image of being up on the hill looking down at the system almost as if you've you've decentered yourself so now you're observing a story yeah. and and i th i think that's right uh yeah. stories are i i think of them as invitational language yeah so for yeah. example if, if i were to say to my team all right uh, everyone here needs to get more resilient yeah. um some people are going to resist that well i'm already resilient hey you can't tell me what to do hey I, I don't need to be resilient everything right so now we're in this conversation as opposed to let me tell you about a team that 
transformed their 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 operations by exercising resilience. And here's yeah. what happened. They yeah. were facing a really tough challenge. And, and now I'm telling you this story. Now I'm not even talking about you. Now you're yeah. on the hill. Yeah. Yeah. Looking down at this story and it allows you to say, huh. I wonder how we're like that. We're, yeah. we're different in some ways, but yeah, we, and now it's, 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 it's subtle, but it's really a persuasive way to invite people into a conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anyway, I could, I could talk about that all day because I, I think it fascinates me, but, but we, we, we don't have all day. So that, that's brilliant. <laughs> so when we spoke originally, one of the things that we, we, we talked about and, and that you said that really intrigued me, which is, um, that we should be thinking about which story we are going to tell uh, yeah. uh, when, when we are telling a story. So t- just to say a little bit about that, and we're going to go into some more detail of, of the different types of stories that we can tell. So, so the way I approach this work is story is strategic, and it begins with selection. And, and I find this is really helpful for leaders. You know, let, yeah. Later, we can talk about how to tell a good story and the elements of a good story, but we have to start with which stories are we telling. Yeah, and I, I have lots of ways of helping leaders with that. I, I even have products, you know, including one called the Leadership Story Deck. It's a deck of cards with dozens of ideas yeah. of stories that you could be telling that you probably haven't thought of. And so, so that's where we begin is is selection. And since we're talking to your community of of organizational communication professionals. I have some thoughts that I can share of as you're finding the narratives within your system, here's a way of thinking about it that might be helpful. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And and yeah, absolutely. So so I think when we spoke, you said there were kind of three transformation stories and 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 in and, and you know Every organization is trying to transform itself, even if it doesn't call itself that, you know, we're all trying to transform, even if it's just to, you know, keep, keep pace with the world that's, that is, and the the pace of change that's around us. So, and also just before we talk about those different three types of stories, I remember when we spoke originally, we talked a little bit more about kind of an appreciative approach, an appreciative inquiry, um, just for people who aren't familiar with the idea of appreciative inquiry and how that how that works and how it f- then fits in with the story telling approaches that we're going to talk about, can you just say a little bit bit more about that? Yeah, uh, appreciative inquiry is a a body of theory uh, developed by a guy at Case Western University here in the United States, a guy named doc- Dr. David Cooper Ryder, hmm. and it is an approach to organizational development that has story at its core. And it focuses on finding the stories of us at our best. And when we find these stories of the team doing the thing that it does and doing it beautifully, that we should amplify those stories and bring them forward. And and they become like a a, a North Star for the organization that can move the system forward. Mm. And and so Cooper Ryder in his writings, you know, I'm going to share three story types Mm. for transformation. There's probably 10,000 types of stories for transformation, but these are three. And and I have borrowed these from Cooper Ryder because uh, he says that every organizational system has three fundamental needs that leaders should be managing. Okay. And and what I'm suggesting to your audience is as communicators, we should be telling stories about these three needs and they're, they're needs for continuity. Yeah. Novelty and transition. Okay. Okay. So let's explore those in a little bit more detail then. So first one is continuity stories. So could you maybe give us an example of a continuity story and what we're trying to achieve through telling a continuity story? Yeah. So continuity stories. Um, I find that leaders forget to tell these a lot. And these are the stories of, these sound like, you know, the thing that will never change. Hmm. Um, and the idea is that change is coming fast and people are are weary in organizations and they're saying give me something i can lean on mm. and so the these are the th- this is where the leader says there's some things that are never going to change around here and it tends to be foundational principles or mm. values or yeah. culture and identity it's it's these it's these bedrocks and again i'm suggesting we tell stories about these things. So I have an example for you of a continuity story. Great. So this one comes from the the, the great organization Patagonia, which yeah. is, you know, everybody loves them, right? The the great outdoor gear and adventure and camping organization. And so th- 
they're, a, they're an organization that does this very well. They are developing their identity by telling stories, both externally and also internally. And they're telling these stories now, you know, because yeah. it's an organization, they're in retail. That's a hard space to be in. They're changing right now and people are scared and they don't like it. And they're bringing out the old stories and they're telling the old stories. And so here's one of them. Imagine I'm your manager. We're, we're all in the break room together. Um, and, and I might say something like, you know, here at Patagonia, you know, we started back in the, the 1970s. And that's when our CEO, Avone Chenard, you guys know Avone, right? We love mm-hmm. him around here. He, he actually started his career as a rock climber. And he used to climb the, the mountain faces of, of Yosemite and the, the French Alps and the mountain ranges around the world. And he wanted a better way to climb the rocks. And so he, he went out and he bought himself an old coal-fired forge and an anvil, and he taught himself how to blacksmith. Mm. And he started producing these, these little steel pegs. He was a French guy. He called them patoons. In America, we call them pitons now. Yeah. But it translates to steel peg. It's, it's these pegs that as you're climbing the rock, you hammer them into the rock. Yeah. And you run your, a rope through a little hole. And now your life is dangling from this little <laughs> steel peg that you've hammered into the rock as you climb. And his friends started coming up to him and saying, Avone, could you make me some of those? And he started selling them for $1.50 a piece. Yeah. And pretty soon he's worth millions of dollars. Yeah. And the challenge was that this success created a new challenge because soon there were countless patones nailed into the cliff faces around the world and they were causing cracks in the rocks and they were disfiguring the rock faces that, that Avone had sworn to protect. Yeah. And he brought his team together and he said to his team, we have become environmental villains. We have become the thing we said we would never become. Mm-hmm. And he made a bold decision, which was to stop producing these patones and stop producing the product that built his yeah. business. Yeah. Right. But he was an innovator. And so he did what innovators always do. And he came forward with a new product, a new idea called chocks. And it's hard to describe, but it's these little metal pieces that you wedge into the cracks. I know. Yeah. I know what they are. Yeah. I've seen you them. See those and yeah, your body yeah. weight holds them in place. Yeah. 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 And as you scale the cliff, you just lift them out. They don't do any damage to the rock. Yeah. And, and once again, their fortunes soared. All right. Listen to this last part of the story, Craig. This is important. They, they add this at the end. Yeah. You know, today here at Patagonia, we're going through some tough changes, but that's not new for us. Because from the beginning, we have known how to innovate when there is uncertainty. And today, we're making some tough choices choices about our business. And we don't know what's going to happen. But one thing we do know is that our love for the planet Earth will always be at the front of those decisions. Yeah, yeah. And that's one thing you can count on to never change. Yeah. That's nice, and that and that for me, uh, I, I thought when you talk, we're talking, you know, when I saw these three different types of stories, that continuity is that it's like it's that sense of identity, which you know, it's it's like the kind of almost the feeling of a family, isn't it? When we're going through a really tough time, but we 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 kind of pull back to the fact that our family values and our family, you know, strength and our kind of genetic connection is like will always be there, regardless of what what life throws at us. And it's that it's that enduring nature of of what yes. you know what what forms our collective identity that's really important to reiterate to people because you're right i mean often it feels like the world is is being turned on its head but to have that anchor that that excuse the pun is really you know to hold us to the rock face is really really important isn't it so oh, it's a really nice story very nice uh, i love that you said values uh that, so when we talk about the continuity stories there's Again, there's dozens of types. Um, one is the values story. Yeah. Here's a prompt for your listeners if you're reflecting on what might, because that's the invitation. What are your versions of this story? Tell me about a time you saw someone on the team exercise the values in a way that inspired you. Yeah. Especially if they exercise the values in a way that came with a cost. Those yeah. are even better stories. Yeah. Right. So that that's one continuity story. Another is the origin story. Mm. I mean, Patagonia is both of those. It's origin and also value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Origin is the thing that was true at the beginning that's yeah. going to remain true. So 
those are two types really nice okay let, let's let's move on to the second type of story then which i think you said was novelty so give me it'd be great to get an, an example of a novelty story and when you would use that and and what what we're trying to transmit through a novelty story so novelty is the the new and the leaders that i work with these are the these are the messages they're thinking about because they're thinking about the new all the time and again i'm suggesting you tell stories about the new um, and so he, he, here's an example of the new, they, the, these tend to sound like, imagine a world. What if this was possible? Mm. Right. Cause the challenge of, of stories like this is, you know, the vision is, is the future. The mm. future hasn't happened yet. Stories are historical. They're in the past. Mm. How do you tell a story about something that hasn't happened yet? Mm. There's a few ways to do this. Um, so um, one is the imagine if we had that here story. Mm. So here's an example. Um, this comes from the organization World Bank. Mm. One of the leaders at World Bank back in the 1990s was a, a really smart guy named Steve Dinning. Mm. And he was on this journey. It, it was kind of like the same challenge I described with Coca-Cola in organizational learning. Steve Denning was excited about this new emerging field called knowledge management. Mm. You know, it's a new idea back in the 1990s. Now it's a, a pretty robust field, but it yeah. used to be a new idea. And he, he, he was an early adopter of knowledge management. And he had the same problem that we had at Coke. He was going around the world to World Bank offices, trying to drum up excitement so that people would invest in this new capability. And, and Steve told me that, um, Everywhere he went, people found the idea strange and incomprehensible. Mm. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so one day, Steve Denning stepped up in front of an audience inside World Bank. And instead of doing the same presentation that he always did, he changed his presentation and he told a story. And this is the story that he told. And I'm actually going to read this one because he, 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 this is in his book mm. called The Springboard how storytelling ignites action in knowledge era organizations. It's yeah. one of the classics in this field. Uh, so here's how he told the story. It went like this. He stepped up in front of the group and he goes, so in June of last year, a health worker in a tiny town in Zambia went to the website of a new organization at the time called the Centers for Disease Control in America. And he got an answer to a question about the treatment of malaria. Remember, this is in Zambia, one of the poorest countries in the world. Mm. But the most striking thing about this picture, at least for us, is that our company, World Bank, isn't in it. Despite our know-how on all kinds of poverty-related issues, that knowledge isn't available to the millions of people who could use it. Imagine if it were. Think what an organization we could become. Mm. And then he went on with his presentation. Mm. And, and Steve said, for the first time, something different happened. Because mm. at the end of the presentation, normally people would file out of the, the, the conference room. For the first time, the audience came up to him and surrounded him. And they said, what's the holdup? Why don't we have Why this? Why do we capability? do it? <laughs> yeah, they, they were like pointing at him. Like, this is fault or something, right? Yeah. Why don't we have this? Steve said the only thing he did different was introduce that story. Yeah. Yeah, And he says, he, he, he kept repeating it. He's like, wow, that was interesting. He says the Zambia story was the, the spark that caused transformation all across World Bank. And now World Bank is a world leader in knowledge yeah. transformation. Yeah. He says Z the Zambia story made it possible. Yeah. In that okay. it, that's right. It's great, and I love that. I love that, and it's really interesting. So I'm I'm seeing now this this kind of juxtaposition between what you said there between the continuity story, which is the kind of what's staying the same, and then this novelty, which is the kind of almost the creative gulf. It's that creative tension between you know where we need to be now, not not in a way that those two things are in conflict with each other but it's actually we need the continuity in order to get the novelty um exactly. to, to be able to and i guess for you know i'm just thinking for me the ultimate novelty story uh which you wouldn't call you think back to it and wouldn't call it that is you know we choose to go to the moon um and when you listen oh, yeah. I, I mean i love that speech not only because i'm a complete i kind of apollo kind of 
boffing and love it but um but just that that speech i think for me the way he talks about you know um, machines that have not yet been invented using materials that we've not yet discovered you know it's just it's just for me it's just i just find that kind of makes the hairs on the back of my neck stand on end it's just so inspirational um but yeah, I guess that's the ultimate novelty novel novelty story, isn't oh, it? Oh, no doubt. I, I actually do work <laughs> at, at NASA at Johnson Space wow. Center in Houston. So I, I so yes, we we talk about that story. And and the in Kennedy's We Choose to Go to the Moon and Denning's Zambia story are both doing something interesting. Yeah. Because they're both telling an incomplete story. Yeah. You know, that, yes. We say a story has a beginning, middle, and end. Well, the Zambia story didn't have an end. No. No, he just kind of stopped and said, "We're not in this picture." No, and so he's inviting the audience to create an end because yeah. you know we a story is like this tension. It's the spring that we've stretched out, and the tension wants to resolve. People need an ending to a story, and yes. he left it open. It's like, what are you going to do about that? And it's yeah. incredibly persuasive. To incredibly do that. persuasive. So we've got the we've got the continuity, which is what isn't going to change. We've got the novelty, which is the 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 kind of creative tension. Does am I jumping to the wrong conclusion in saying that the transition is the bit in the middle, or is that is that a, a, a kind of an over oversimplification that which is the Not transition being the third yeah. type of story? Yeah. No, Craig, you're you're right on. So we we've created this tension. You know, here's who we are now. Here's the future. What does that journey forward look like? And and mm. I know that you do this with your your big pictures, mm, right? Yeah there's, yeah. there's the big piece in the middle. Sometimes it's a bridge. Right? Yes. What, what's yeah. going to get us over to the new thing? Um, transition. This is a need that organizations have. And in terms of storytelling, I think these are the stories that leaders should be telling the most numerically. Mm. I think they're the ones that leaders might be ignoring or forgetting to tell yeah. is these transition stories of, of, all right, there's this new thing and now we need to manage the journey. And that's a very human thing because there's fear and there's learning and there's mistakes and there's new behaviors and there's new mental models. And we have to manage all of this stuff. And so there's stories we can tell about that to ease that journey forward. Yeah. One story type, one great, um, uh, transition story. I call it the Eureka story, the process story. And these are powerful because, you know, we, we tend to get really invested in our solutions. You know, here's the offering, here's the new software, here's the new feature, here's the new thing that we've been working really hard on that we're bringing forward. And this story suggests that we would peel back the curtain and, and show us the people behind yeah. it. Yeah. Show us the process how, show us what it looks like when this team is being using ingenuity to solve tough problems. So here's an example of uh, um, a transition story. So th this is from, uh, I'm, I'm working with one of the world's biggest technology consulting firms. It's mm. one of the big four. And uh, they have a huge presence in India. And uh, I was working with them in Bangalore. And this is one of the stories I heard a couple different people tell at different times. So it's one of the stories that's kind of gained traction mm. because it shows what ingenuity at this company looks like. So here's how someone just said it to me verbally. Um, the, this Indian manager said, so we, we were serving a, a $3 billion utility company. Mm. And uh, part of our work was we needed to monitor the location of every electrical transformer in the country. And this was nearly impossible because in this rural part of India, that data didn't exist. Mm. I mean, we, we were amazed. Nobody had that. And so the idea of driving around to find every utility pole was a nightmare. It's like finding needles in a country-sized haystack. Mm. And so we were stumped. And, and the guy said, I remember the team was working right here in this meeting room. Uh, and, and we were here late one night. We were all eating pizza. And that's when Anya, one of our junior team members, she's brand new to the team, said, you know what? What if we created an inventory of all those utility poles using a basic web browser and Google Street View and then an artificial intelligence engine to analyze the images and identify and count all the phone poles mm. or the utility poles. And the guy said, I nearly dropped my pizza. What a brilliant, simple solution. 
And so Anya created the code, and now we offer this software to other municipalities around the world. And it's a great piece of software, but we always say that here, innovation is more than cool software. Innovation is team members like Anya who think differently to solve big problems. Mm, that's nice. And that's that's it. nice. And that that so that's interesting. So what you're doing there is you're using it, and again, it's that appreciative inquiry. It's like this is when we do change really well. This is the kind of mindset that we need to adopt, and it's it's almost that you know kind of. Um, you know, think really. You know, thinking out of the box is a very kind of cheesy, cheesy way of calling it, but it literally is. You know, think, thinking, thinking right. possibility rather than just you know doing things the way we've always done them and just banging up against the same problems. Um, and there's something really powerful that happens when when we do this, Craig, because when leaders do this consistently, I mean, you can't just tell the story one time, right? You, yeah. you have to tell it multiple stories, all with the same theme. So there's some intentionality to this. But when you do this, it's really powerful. You'll start to see the behaviors in the story will start to emerge in the organization. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's it's called the heliotropic principle of organizational systems. Heliotropism, it's a biological term, right? If the yeah. sun is moving over the field, a sunflower will turn its face to, right. to face the sun. Okay, this happens in social systems as well. Mm. Uh, Cooper Ryder says organizational systems move in the direction of the positive images and stories we continually place in front of them. Yeah. That's really interesting because you, when you when you were talking earlier about. Um, you know, kind of getting people to share stories of, of, I mean, when we were talking about appreciative inquiry, I, 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 it's a, it's a, it's a kind of team day thing I use. And, and I, I don't use it purely from a, you know, I don't use it from a storytelling perspective. I use it as a, it's a great exercise and it always makes people feel really good. And right. I, I get, I get them to literally, I put them on tables and this is, it tends, it, it, you need to have quite a big, it's, it's for like, you know, sort of 50 plus people. I'll get them to, I'll be, they'll be sat at their tables and I'll just say to them, look, you know, sit, sit around the table. I want you to, each of you to share a story of someone who you've seen kind of absolutely nailing what we're about mm -hmm. as an organization, you know, just, just, just. You, you, you know just re completely representative of us at our best doing our best stuff I and I get them to share share that then i get them to swap tables and then tell the same story to a new bunch of people and then and then do the say if there's enough do it again and then i get them to all stand up and go and put their hand on the shoulder of the person who told the most compelling story and then get those you know ah. there's normally about five or six get those people then to sort of you know as long as they're okay with it and it's not going to kind of make them kind of shrivel up and want to hide in a corner to just tell that story story to everybody else and um i've had people like you know in tears you know and 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 right. then i get them to just sort of sit down and just say what what just happened there and, and actually it's and, and it's you know the stories aren't you know we you know we did the, we we sold this thing to this customer and made you know millions of dollars or whatever it's always stuff like hey so and so was we i was struggling with writing this report and so and so stayed back and helped me even though i know they've got loads of stuff going on there personally yes. and it, or the you know i was you know i, I it, it's just stories of humans connecting with humans and and being really kind of generous and and helpful and and that's usually the ones that come out and and it and Absolutely. and you know and, and it's very much what you've said there is I hope anyway that people go away back to their workplace and I always say to them what what what's to stop you doing that at the beginning of every meeting you know just f telling a story about something really cool you've seen in the organization that's made you feel good you know how good that that made you feel rather than starting with you know a kind of a, a KPI review or something like that and exactly. um, and they all go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not sure that they can go away and do it or not. But yeah, and, and that heliotropism, I really like that metaphor, you know, of this, the flower growing and moving during the day to face the sun. And, and we do, don't we? We do. We, we face the kind of the, the, the true north in the organization where everybody else is looking. We are socially programmed to kind of go with the flow and sometimes that can be for it you know not always a good thing but in in when you when you're using appreciative inquiry can be really good because we're actually all kind of recalibrating our compasses to what that what that good good thing is that we we all want to contribute isn't it so sorry i've got a bit of a ramble there but it's just kind no, of a bit of a beautiful. kind of an epiphany for me and what you were talking about oh, there so yeah no i i, I do a much of the same thing with groups and, and you said that you know you you, you kind of you know, 
challenge them to go forward and, and bring this into their work and you're not sure if they do. Mm. And, and so, yes, that's what I'm saying to teams too, is that we institutionalize this, that this belongs in your leadership. I don't mm. know if you've seen this, the, the article that got, kind of got passed around from link, on LinkedIn for a while there, how at, at Amazon headquarters in Seattle, uh, Jeff Bezos, the CEO of Amazon, has has famously said to his senior leadership team, "You're not allowed to bring PowerPoints." That's into right. Meetings. He banned it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I shared that one myself quite a lot because it kind of I thought that's a great story. And uh, instead, it's bring your stories. Yeah, in. and yeah. so that that's what they do. And in Bezos, his quote was, "It's the the smartest thing I ever did." Yeah, because yeah. it's recognizing that organizations are are emotional systems. Yeah, you know, leaders yeah. keep treating them like they're rational systems first, and yeah. when the when the system is stuck, they say, "Oh, we need to bring more data forward." Yeah, and that doesn't usually work very well. Yeah, and if yeah. we treat them as systems with people, then we we would pull another tool out of the toolbox. And story is the language that will leverage that emotional system. We should absolutely, be absolutely. So we kind of we're kind of we're kind of kind of closing towards where I wanted to finish with this, which is, and you've we've already started to talk about this. I think, which is, you know, if I'm I'm a kind of internal comms person, and I yeah, I really like what we've heard there. You know, stories. Yeah, absolutely, all of those things resonate me. Where do I start? So, and we've given us. I think we've given some practical examples there, which it doesn't need to be, you know, kind of over over-engineered it can be about just introducing storytelling into the way that we communicate with each other how we update each other on what's going on in the business the good things we've seen the good things we want to to, to emphasize what what are some of the practical ways that, that as someone who's listening to this thinking i really like this but i don't know where to start might yeah. might start so the listeners you're you're ready to go you're ready to do this i, I always tell people I, the work i do is I'm not teaching presentation skills or how to be a better public speaker. Mm. This is taking this language that already lives in your head. Because, you know, w- when you have drinks or dinner tonight with your loved ones or with your friends, you're going to start telling stories at the dinner table. Yeah. Nobody has to tell you to do this. You, someone will say, hey, how was your day at work today? Oh, well, I, I recorded this podcast and there's this guy who is from, uh, an American guy who was talking about stories, right? You're going to start telling stories. Yeah. This is your brain's operating system for sense making. So what do we do next? Bring this forward. Find mm. an opportunity to tell a story. My work is supporting communications and change leaders to help you identify and develop these story assets, these stories that hold value. Um, and if it's okay, I, I'd love to invite your readers to send me an email and I'll send them some free resources. I mentioned the cards yeah. with the story types. I'll send you a PDF of some of the cards that will help you start identifying some of the stories, some of the valuable narrative assets that you have that you could start bringing forward tomorrow. That's fantastic. And I'm going to take you up on that. And I'm going to email you. So um, if, if, um, and that's great. I mean, I I, I don't want to. I kind of want to kind of prematurely close on that because because I do I do want to kind of find out what 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 uh, links and uh, that you'd like me to put into the show notes. We'll talk about that. So I've got your email now, and I'm going to talk about what else we share. Um, yeah, but that would be great because I think our audience, I think any audience, likes sort of tools and 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 things that they can pick up and kind of start using straight away i think that's a really really kind offer and very very helpful a lot of free stuff i can send that that will help you start thinking about this yeah fantastic um so just just sort of bringing that bringing things to a close then um uh so let's have a look at some of your resources. I think if you're listening to this, have a look, have a look at some of David's resources. Then also to, um, to basically where else can we find more about you, David? What, what, what are some of the places I'm going to put your email address? If that's, you're happy for me to do that. Yeah. And your LinkedIn profile. Yeah. Yeah. Any any other. Yeah. David at David Hutchins.com and Hutchins is spelled with an E N S not an I N S. Yeah. Um, my website, storytelling leader. Dot okay. Com. Storytellingleader.com. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. And you have a book, I believe, as well. I know you've, you, we talked about some of your other books, Outlearning the Wolves and Shadows of the Anatel. Um, is it Story Dash is your, is another book that you've got? The newest book is Story Dash. It's a repeatable process. It is, I think the subtitle is Find, Develop, and Activate Your Most Powerful Narrative Assets in about half a day. So it's a process you can bring your team together to start discovering, 
and then developing and bringing forward your stories. It's a lot of fun, uh, very actionable, very easy to repeat. I also work with teams and organizations to build this skill as a leadership skill. Yeah. I'm in England multiple times a year. So if any of your organizations would love to explore this, I'd be happy to have that conversation. Excellent. That's fantastic. Well, look, I could have, I literally could have spoken to you all day because I've, I've found this really, really fascinating. And obviously we're a kindred spirit, I think, in terms of what we do. We just do it in slightly different ways. But I think that the heart of that is is very much this, you know, kind of creating positive social norms through through stories and through visuals and through the narrative that, that we're getting our leaders to tell and i think this you know just getting as particularly at the minute in the world at the minute we need some positive stories not just happy clappy stories but genuinely positive stories which kind of uplift us at the moment because i think a lot of the stories that we see particularly in the media at the moment are extremely depressing aren't they um it might so, be worse here in the states so yes we, we need different stories absolutely. definitely definitely well look i i absolutely love that david and and i don't know I'm, i've got the feeling that we'll probably be talking again at some point i i'm, I'm maybe recorded or otherwise but I, I you know when you're across in the uk you must you must let me know where you are and if i'm nearby i'll uh which you which in, compared to the states is, is we're always nearby in the uk um uh, let me know and i'll I'll definitely try and meet up with you because I'd love to. Uh, I'd love to continue this conversation over a over a beer or a coffee or whatever whatever suits you. So, thank absolutely. you so much. Thank you so much, David. That's been absolutely brilliant. I'll get those links into the into the show notes. Uh, so hopefully you'll get people getting in touch with you. Um, and um, all that remains for me is to thank you so much for your time and for your insights, uh, and wish you all the very best. I'm looking forward to that day that you and I share a Guinness at a pub somewhere in the UK. <laughs> Thank you, David. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Engaging Internal Comms podcast. If you've got any ideas for episodes you'd like us to cover in future, you can email us at info at thebigpicturepeople.co.uk or you can use the feedback form at engagingic.com. If you're not already subscribed to the show via your podcast platform, please do so. And if you could leave a review for us, that would be absolutely fantastic. We have links to other episodes at engagingic.com. All of our previous episodes are available there. And if you're interested in our visual communication services, our big pictures, our learning maps, our explainer videos, and also our live graphic recording, please get in touch with us again at info at thebigpicturepeople.co.uk. Thank you.